And so today we're launching that series called Spirit. And, um, it, and the Bible says that God is Spirit. So what does it mean that God is Spirit? And what does that even mean? And so this is what we're going to be exploring during this month. And, uh, and so today we're going to be exploring the Spirit through the Father. The Spirit through the Father. Uh, and so what, what's really amazing about this whole thing is that as dads, we, we, aren't we a creative bunch? We're a very creative bunch. And whether you're a DIY project, and we saw some of those DIY projects happening. Oh, amazing, like houses. Some building like little playhouses and things like that. Or whether, or whether you're figuring out how to put together a, f- uh, a flat pack. Uh, who loves doing flat packs? No, not me. I don't <laughs> but you know, I just do them because I'm the only one who does it. Uh, flat packs, or whether you're making an amazing cuisine. You know, what's your favorite? What's your favorite number one cuisine that you make? Um, uh, today I'm going to be enjoying some cuisines from Pastor Sanders. So enjoying, I'm uh, looking forward to Pastor Sanders cuisine. Some t- uh, some eleven spices, secret spices. Was it twelve? Anyway, looking forward to that. But you dads are amazing. And I was thinking, I was thinking back that when when my kids were were a lot smaller, a lot younger, and uh, there was a time when we 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 went out to the park. It was a windy day, and there was these people flying kites really high, and my young kids, especially my young daughters, they they said, "Dad, Dad, could we have a kite? Could we have a kite, please, please, please?" And I'm like, "Oh man, you know, okay." I said to this is what I said to my my daughter, "Hey." All good. When we get home, Dad's gonna make you your very own kite. I'm gonna make all the kids their very own kite. So we get back home, and and you know I didn't have much stuff to make it up, but you know, being being a dad, we got pretty creative. And this is this is what I did. Okay, I got a plastic bag. You know, back in the days when you had plastic bags for shopping, <laughs> and I tied a piece of string to one of the handles, and I gave it to the kids. Let me tell you something. Of a plastic bag, a piece of string. These kids are running around their backyard. The wind's blowing up. They're flying. And these kids had so much fun. They're outside for hours running around the backyard with this homemade plastic bag tied to a string. And they're calling it a kite. And they loved it. And, and, and it was, it was, I'll tell you what, it was, it was a lot of fun. And you don't have to have a lot of money to have a lot of fun. And a bit of uh, Kiwi ingenuity right there with our kids. And so I'll tell you what, it was, it was incredible. Um, but I want to say out to all those dads who DIY, we come up with these ideas of, of uh, you know, our kids want something, we haven't got it, so we come up with the next best thing. So us dads, we are a creative bunch. I mean, why, why do people want to become fathers? Why do people want to become dads or, or, or parents? And the reason why we, we want um, to, to have children or to be a father either by birth or by adoption is because we want to share the love, right? Isn't that true? We want to share the love. We want, we want to share the love of, of us, of who we are. And we want to share it to the next generation. And, but at the same time, at the same time, you know, um, sometimes maybe you're here and you don't want to be a father or you don't, want to be, um, you don't want to be a parent. And maybe the reason why you don't want to be a parent is because you've had bad experience. Maybe you never had a, a parent who was there. You, didn't, you had an absent father or or maybe um, for for some of us, uh, sometimes for some of us, it's it's quite abusive the way that we grew we grew up, and maybe we're like, you know what? I don't want to be a dad. I don't want to be a parent, a mother, or whatever, because of my experience and and uh, because of the sins of the father. I don't want the sins of the father coming onto the next generation. And for that reason, for that reason, you know, I I, I don't want to be a father. And but where does it even, where does even that idea come from? The sins of the father. Where does that idea even come from? And today, this is what we're going to be exploring, this idea of the sins of the Father. Where does it come from? And does it, do we, are we really, are we really, uh, how to, are we really held accountable for what our parents have done? 
will that flow into what we do into the next generation? Where does that come from? This is what we're going to look at today. In fact, if you're looking for a subtitle for today's message, it is Share the Love. Share the Love is the title of today's message, Share the Love. In fact, we find on page one of the Bible, God is creating. And this is what we find in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And this is what it reads. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God, what is the Spirit of God doing? The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now, the Spirit is the way the biblical authors talk about the personal presence of God. So what do we find the Spirit of God doing? We find the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, what's the Spirit doing? It's hovering. It's hovering. And in, in this word to hover or hovering in, in Hebrew is the word rahath. Rahath. Everyone say rahath. In fact, it's kind of like, a, like you've got something stuck in front of like rahath. Anyway, <laughs> rahath. And this is, this is the word that means hovering. And, and this word rahath is only found three times in our Old Testament. And every time uh, it, this word is used, it's, it's used in reference of birds hovering. Okay, so this is what this word means. So this word hovering is birds hovering in reference for birds hovering. So the Spirit of God is described as a bird hovering over the water. Now, why is, now why is the Spirit of God why is the Spirit of God described as, as a bird hovering? In fact, let's take a look at a photo. In fact, the photo that we, we use um, for our series is, has a bird hovering over the waters. And this is the Spirit, and, and this is the Holy Spirit that describes it uh, as a bird hovering. Now, can we think of a time um, in the Bible where God's Spirit is described as a bird hovering over waters? Can we think of a time during that time? And we do, and we, f- we, we find that when Jesus is being baptized. And so... If you've got the book of Luke, turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 3. This is what it says. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And he and as he was praying, heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And so here we have the Holy Spirit coming down. And I love this because the narrative... The narrative is making, making a claim that the, the God revealed at the baptism is the same God revealed on page one of the Bible. It's the same God. And it's revealing who God truly is. And, and it's, what we, it's the word that we call the Trinity, right? And what the Trinity is, the Trinity is, is a way as, as us as being um, f- finite beings, trying to describe an indescribable God, right? And that God is this complex being. That God is, God is, 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 is a Father. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three in one. That God is one being with three distinct pers- persons making one. In fact, um, John says this in John chapter 1. He says this. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. And straight away, you know, right? Like, you know, here's us. We're trying to describe an indescribable God. That God is this complex being. That he's, he's, he's one God, but he's, he's, he's more than one. There's, there's more to God than just being one. So in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So, and through him, so through the word, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made 
that has been made. Then we go to verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So in Genesis chapter 1, the Spirit appears as a power by which God's Word goes out into this lifeless void and begins to create. Then in, in, in John's Gospel, he, this, he reveals to us that this Word is Jesus in the, in the flesh. And I love it because then we go into his baptism. What do we see? That Jesus is after his baptism. He's led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he's tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. So in both the work of creation, Genesis chapter 1, and the work of new creation in the gospel stories, God's word goes out by his Spirit. So the Trinity is a belief that God is a community of love. So this is what the Trinity is. The Trinity is as a commu- that God is a community of love. God is inviting all of his creation into the love. That's why this, this title of this message is called Share the Love. The, the Father loves the Son through the Spirit and sends out the Son so that others might be invited into this family of love. This is why 1 John chapter 1 says this. says that God is Love, And this is what he says in the next sentence. He says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that they might have eternal life through him. So to be the father means to love, to give out love, uh, to give out life. So God is a community of love. I love this, that God is love. He's a community of love. Have you ever wondered what God was doing before he created everything. Have you ever wondered that? You know, I know it's hard for us to imagine. What was God doing before there was creation? Before there was a world? Okay, what was there? Okay, what was God doing? And you know what I love about Scripture? Scripture actually tells us what God was doing before He created everything. In fact, Jesus tells us what He was doing. And this is what Jesus says in John chapter 17, verse 24. This is what Jesus He said, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. And to see my glory, the glory that you have given me. And this is, what it, and this is where Jesus tells us what he was doing before the, uh, before the creation of time. Because you loved me before the creation of the world. Jesus said that the, the Father loved him before the creation of the world. So, so what do we get before creation? We get a community of love. This is why the gospel writers say that God is love. So you, you cannot have love unless there is someone to love. So what was happening before creation? There was a community of love where, where God was, was, was loving the Son through the Spirit. And this is God's eternal state, that God is a community of love, that, that the, the Trinity means a community of love. This is the closest that we can come to describe an indescribable God, you know, if, <laughs> that God is a community of love. Think about it. Think about it. If you were God, imagine you were God and you existed before everything else. Okay, before you created all creation. This is, this, well, this is obviously a hypothetical question, right? Now, imagine, imagine you before creation. What do you think you, you would be doing, right? Nothing, right? In fact, we'll find that torturous, right? We, 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 we'll, find that we'll find eternity being, al- imagine being eternity alone. Right? That will drive you insane. That will drive me insane. Being alone. So what's the purpose of a solitary being creating? Okay. What's, what's the purpose of a solitary being creating? And, and one reason why you'll create. One, you're bored. 
And number two, if you're a solitary being, you begin to, there's a need for an other, right? You become dependent on an other. So what do you get if you have a community of love creating? What does that look like, right? So there's a difference. There's a difference between a solitary being creating and a community of love creating because you get a completely different universe because before anything is created, there's already a community of love. So one of the reasons why we have children, right, is so that we can share the love. So therefore, creation is an overflow of God's love. That's, that's amazing. That God's a community of love. That's why God is love, because there was love before creation. There was a community of love before that. If, so if, hum, if humans are images of this being, then we are reflectors of God's love. This is why we've got to love one another. We've got to love the Lord of God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our being. And we've got to love our neighbor as ourselves, because we are supposed to be reflectors. We're images of this community of love. Come on, we've got to share the love. This is what God has called us to do. Now, why would someone want to, why would someone want to be a father? It's to share the love. But sometimes life isn't so clear, right? If you've, if you've had a father who wasn't there, or if you had a, a parent who mistreated you, and you, you, might, you might be watching this and you say, well, you know, my, my, I never had a loving father. And you know what? I don't feel like sharing the love. I haven't really had that experience growing up, and I've been, I've been passed on from family member to family member. My grandparents brought me up. And I don't, I don't want to have children. I don't, I don't want to share the love because I, I don't want to pass the sins of the fathers on. And I'm kind of feeling like I'm, I'm being held responsible for my past. I mean, where does that even come from? Especially when we say that God is a community of love. And what we find, and, and I want to talk about Exodus chapter 34. In Exodus chapter 34, we find Moses. And Moses, he's on top of Mount Sinai. And he's, he's with God and they're formalizing Israel's covenant relationship. Right, and so Moses and God is up there. God's revealing His love with them, and, and while Moses is on top of Mount Sinai, the rest of Israel are below the mountain waiting. And God has just rescued the children of Israel out of slavery from Egypt, and now He's He's creating this this covenant of love, and He's and 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 He's and to display His loving character, and He and He and He's forging this covenant with of Israel, so they may display His loving covenant to all these surrounding nations. So while Moses is up top of this mountain, in fact, the Bible tells us that he's up on top of this mountain with God for about 40 days and 40 nights. And, and, um, and in his absence, the people are down the bottom. They begin to get a bit impatient. In fact, they begin to, to get a, feel a little, little bit scared. And so they ask Aaron, Moses' brother, say, hey, Aaron, you know, you've got to do something for us. And in fact, so Israel, they, and so the children of Israel, what they do is they make an idol. They make an idol and they say, this is God. And this idol is in place of God. And so while they're making, so they're making an idol for God while God is forging a covenant of love with them, which is kind of strange. This is kind of like, this is kind of like a bride, kissing the, bride um, kissing the groomsman on the wedding, during the wedding ceremony. Okay? And for this reason, you can understand why God is really, really angry. Okay, so here's God. He's trying to have this, 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 this marriage covenant with them. And there they are down the bottom. It's kind of betraying God's trust. But I love what God says, and this is what God says in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. He says this, The Lord passed before him, this is talking of Moses, passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God, a, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving the iniquity and transgressions and sin. And you know what's really amazing that, is that God decides to continue his partnership with Israel because 
this partnership with Israel is not based upon their merit, but it's based upon God's own grace, compassion, and loyal love. So it's, it's not hard to understand why this passage is, is, is the most referenced scripture within the Old Testament. This, this passage is, is referenced the most throughout the Old Testament. God's loyal love, that God is, is, a, is a compassionate God. Uh, his loyal love and, uh, and His steadfast love holding us firm. Which makes the next passage kind of disturbing sometimes and sometimes really challenging for us. And this is what it says. It says, but goes on, it says, But who? This is but God will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the father fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So God holds us accountable for the um for the mistakes of our parents. And this is what it appears this verse is saying, right? We, when we read this verse, it goes, it goes, wow, does God really hold us accountable for the mistakes of our parents? I mean, we are, I understand that we get a lot of our mannerisms from our parents. In fact, we, a lot of our speech and, 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 that the, and that we get a lot of our physical attributes from our parents. Um, even our health, uh, some of, if we got health issues, sometimes that comes from our parents. We get all these things in the way we view uh, the world from our parents. But really, does God really hold us accountable for the sins of our fathers, for the mistakes of our parents? Is, is this what God really does? Does He really hold us accountable? And when I ever find difficult passages in the Bible, I love to use the Bible to, in, to interpret Bible, right? So use Scripture to interpret Scripture. Whenever you find something difficult, it's great to have a look at what the Scripture is actually saying because... Because, you know, because um, um, when you read a verse like that, it goes, wow, you know, we, we get punished for the sins of our fathers. We get punished for the sins of our parents. No wonder some of us don't want to have children of our own. No wonder some of us don't want to share the love because we, we're afraid that we might pass on the sins to the next generation. But let's dig a little bit deeper into this verse. And let's have a look, uh, let's have a look at Jeremiah. And I love this because Jeremiah is reflecting on this passage in Exodus chapter 34. And he's, re- he's reflecting on this, uh, on Exodus. And this is what Jeremiah, Jeremiah says in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17. He says, Ah, Lord God, it is you who made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. You showed steadfast love to thousands, but you pay the guilt of fathers to their children after them. O great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord of hosts, Great in counsel and mighty indeed, whose eyes are open to all the ways of the children of man, rewarding each one according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. In other words, Israel finds themselves in exile because of the current, uh, because the current generation repeated the sins of their father. Did you, did you hear that? The, the children of Israel find themselves in exile. Why? Because that current generation repeated the sins of the father. See, God, God has in a heart, God isn't about punishing people for the sins of, of, of their father. But he will hold you account. He will hold you account. See, God doesn't punish a new generation for the sins of a former generation. But he does hold, a gen, uh, he, he does hold that generation account. See, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility of not repeating the mistakes of our fathers. All of our parents. That's our responsibility, right? And I love this because Jeremiah says this, that we're not held accountable to their sins. But God does hold us accountable if we repeat the sins of our fathers, which means we have the power not to. Because the bottom line is, is that God's love 
wouldn't be truly loving without a, a God who is also shows justice. So this this passage does seem a, and Exodus does seem a bit harsh, but really, God's preserving His covenant love with all humanity. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for me? It means that you are not your father. You are not your mother. You are not hold responsible for the sins of your parents' mistakes or the, the sins of, your, of whatever happened before you, past generations. And you know what? And God doesn't hold you responsible either. In fact, you have the power to choose the very best for your life today. See, it's time for you to share the love. God's loyal love lasts for thousands of generations. Meaning God's love for you never stops. A God who in himself is a community of love, who before all things could never be anything else but love. And if you trust and come to know such a being, it will change absolute everything. God is inviting all of creation into this family of love. Because God wants to share the love. You know what that means? It means that God loves you. Did you know that? He loves you. See, there's nothing you can do to make God love you. Do you know why? It's because He already loves you. Which means there's nothing you can do less to make God love you any less. Because He loves you. He loves you just as you are. It's time to share the love.